Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. We're coming to part two of a series I felt I'd do on overcoming unhappy attitudes. And uh, I noticed that not only are people in the world unhappy, there's a great sense of misery on a lot of people, but Christians are miserable. They come to church, don't sing, have weights and, and, and are bogged down, and I think that we need to address that. I addressed it in dealing and preaching on entitlement when you're constantly expecting instead of giving thanks, then you can become a very miserable person. I want to continue that today and just to introduce today's topic how many of you remember way back in 1967, that's a long time ago, some weren't even born, but a song came out and uh, it was by Louis Armstrong, it was called What a Wonderful World. Anyone know it? You might even be a young person, you, were, you weren't even born then, but you know it. Now the interesting thing about that song, it came out at a time when the Vietnam War was in process. Protests were taking place all across America, people were negative. They were discouraged by life, people were dying, the economy was not good, people were complaining about education, all the typical things that we see complained about today. But this song came out and it became an instant hit and it gave a perspective of the world we live in. I wanna, I'd like to sing it to you, but I can't sing like he can. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue and clouds of white, the bright, blessed day, the dark, sacred night. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. The colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky, are also on the faces of people going by. I see friends shaking hands saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. Uh, your babies cry, I watch them grow, They'll learn much more than I'll ever know, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Yes, I think to myself, what a wonderful world, and then he ends with, ooh, yes. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that he, at a time like that, can be singing about what a wonderful world it is, while other people can be thinking what a horrible world it is? Some people think South Africa is a wonderful country, while other people think it's a terrible country. Do you know what the difference is? It's not the country, it's attitude. Some have got unhappy attitudes, others have got grateful attitudes. And your attitude will change your world and change the place you live in. Now the reason why we keep seeing the world as terrible is because we succumb to something called negativity. It is so easy to be negative. I don't know if you realize it, but negativity is human nature. We tend to be more negative than positive. Bump into a stranger anywhere at a lift in a shop and there's a minor difficulty and we will go off on a negative. These people that work here, this lift takes so long always. And then we join in with them. We tend to succumb to negativity. And I want to speak to you today about succumbing to negativity, how we can overcome it, how we can get past it, and we can overcome unhappy attitudes that lurk in our lives. We were walking through the airport on Wednesday, a whole team of us, and 
Pastor Kogi, Sean, Mona went with our family down to Cape Town at their own expense, by the way, just to support us, and we're very grateful for that, very kind of them to do that and their families to, to, um, to do that. And as we're walking through the airport on our way to Cape Town and back, all the newspapers are laid out. Have you noticed that? They're laid out at the shops. And I walk past and I see this headline, the economy is gloom, unemployment stats show. Now, I didn't read that and go, yes. I was like, gloom, as if it isn't difficult enough, as if it isn't cold enough. We still have to have negativity thrust at us. We are facing negativity at every level, and we've got to know how to overcome it, or it will pull us down, and we, 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 will, we will succumb to it because we live in a culture of negativity. I don't know if you realize that. And it's up to us to change our attitudes. Uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson was the third president of America, so this is quite a while ago. He says, nothing can stop the man with the right mental attitude from achieving his goal. Nothing on earth can help the man with the wrong mental attitude. If we don't choose the right attitude and we allow ourselves to succumb to negativity, nothing can help us. No grants, no money, no boom in the economy. We will always see the, the negatives rather than the positives. And Jesus has encouraged us to change our attitude because we have him in our lives. John chapter 16, he says, I've told you these things, the end times, so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But then he says something interesting. But take heart. You know what take heart means? Change your attitude. Lift your spirit. Don't be negative. Why? I have overcome the world. He's not saying just be positive. He's saying you've got me. So you've got nothing to be negative about. I'm on your side and I am your savior. But we face this constant barrage. We see the glass half empty. We, we get drawn into negativity. And we've got to be careful because when we see life negatively, we will speak negatively. Proverbs 10 and verse 32, the lips of the godly speak helpful words, but the mouth of the wicked speak perverse words. I don't know if you realize the impact of your words. Words are powerful. They shape people's thinking. They shape destinies. They can change a person's attitude. The late Dr. Robert Schuller in speaking about words, says this, words are not just letters strung together. Words are the incarnation of emotions and the stimulators of emotion. A word can be a bomb or a bomb. A positive word makes you feel good. A negative word leaves you feeling depressed and defeated. Words release energy. A single word can turn you on. What can turn you off? You just pause there. If you're married... You know, you can come and say, what's for supper? We can say, babe. <laughs> Just one word. Your hand on a button. Babe. I mean, you know, turn you on or turn you off. We have it in our house. It can either spark you or discourage you. We've got to watch our words. I've got to watch my words. Hmm? Let's read on. He says, a negative word can diffuse your enthusiasm for a project. A positive word releases positive energy. It becomes a creative force. Now, we see this in the life of Israel. Israel were promised an incredible land. They were promised favor from God, a new opportunity, freedom, God's blessing on their lives. God promised them everything, 
but they never ever possessed it because they succumbed to negativity. They let the negative experiences of life totally overwhelm them, and they lost sight of what God wanted to do. He, he sent, uh, uh, through Moses, 12 spies into the land, and the majority of them were negative, and we'll read it, and then we'll look at some things about negativity that we need to take note of, and then we will look at some ways to overcome it. Are you all with me? Now, these passages are well known, so don't switch off because they are important, and they can reinvigorate your thinking in this area. Numbers 13, and uh, it says, then Caleb, when these spies came back, then Caleb quieted the people. And NIV says he silenced them, and we'll discover why. In the presence of Moses, and he said, let's go up now and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. But, how many of you know there's always a but that gets in your face? But the men who had gone up with him responded, we can't attack the people because they're stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land they had scouted. The land we passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants, and all the people we saw in it are men of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, come from the Nephilim, in other words, the giants. To ourselves we seemed like grasshoppers, so you start to feel internal. We must have seemed the same to them. The Christian Standard Bible puts it so well. Well, Moses' response to this is this in chapter 14. So Moses, so the men sent Moses, so the men Moses sent to scout out the land and returned and incited the entire community to complain about him by spreading a negative report about the land. Those men who spread the negative report about the land were struck down by the Lord. I want you to notice that those who incited the entire, either we incite people about South Africa or we will excite people about South Africa. Can I suggest that you do something when you think about our country? Go on a website and read 10 reasons why you should visit South Africa. You'll get excited about your own country. We have some of the best beaches in the world, white powdery sand. You go to France, to Nice, and there's pebbles on the beach and you have to pay money to line pebbles. This is one of the finest places to tour to. I tell people overseas, you need to come to South Africa. Your money multiplies. It's the land of milk and honey. You bring one pound, you get 25 rand. We've got the best restaurants. Our food is amazing. Our steaks are comparable with any place, any Argentinian restaurant. We have amazing food. We have Italian food. We have curry. We have the best curry. Curry is the best selling food in England. We have better curry here. No, you've got to start to excite. Otherwise, what will happen to us is we'll die. The Bible says here that God cut these people off. Here's, here's the thing to notice. Negativity never brings blessing. God's not happy. He doesn't say, oh, shame. They're a little bit discouraged. No, they never go into all that God's got for them. So here's some important things about negativity. Number one, it is always in the majority. It's always in the majority. Ten out of 12 spies were negative. Most people are negative. And don't be surprised if when you go to work, most people are negative. Sometimes you can think because everyone is saying something, it's true. No, no, no. The majority can be a majority of negative people that can weigh you down. And it's a habit for some people to be negative. It's a habit we need to break. And even if the majority are negative and unhappy, we've got to say, no, we have faith in God and our eyes are on the good things. Number two, the second thing about negativity, it reflects inner defeat. 
What's inside is displayed through our speak, through our mouths. And it reflects a pessimistic focus. Your, your mouth or my mouth is, is a window on our souls. It tells you what's happening on the inside. And we've got to be careful. And, and a lot of people say, well, you know, I have to be a realist, you know. I understand that. I'm a leader. Leaders have to be realists. We have to look at life in its ugliness and know what we're dealing with. Isn't that true? You can't just be pie in the sky. Oh, I'm a man of faith. There's no crime in South Africa. Oh, there's no road. We don't have load shedding. I, I'm the light of the world. Don't be stupid. We have to look at the brutal reality and then speak victory. Now, to give an example of that, Winston Churchill had to do that. During the Second World War, he pinpointed the Nazis, their plan. He identified what they were trying to do with the Jews, their imperialism, how they were trying to conquer the world, and he called it for what it was. He named it. And then, even despite all that, the bombing of London, you see him with a victory sign, and he speaks positively. So we mustn't, we mustn't deny reality, but we've got to be careful we don't end up defeated. Now, the reason I tell you about Churchill is because he said this, and I think it's something we need to adopt. He said a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. An optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. Every man should ask himself each day whether he is not too readily accepting negative solutions. Then he says, for myself, I'm an optimist. It does not seem to be much use being anything else. You can see it, but don't let it defeat you on the inside. Number three, it's dangerous to faith. You can't afford to be negative because it'll kill your faith. The 10 spies doubted and uh, they did not see life as God saw it. God saw opportunity and blessing and a good future. They only saw the journey through the wilderness and they saw opposite. They saw an opposite picture to what God saw. How many of you remember, and this will give you age away, when cameras used to have film in them? <laughs> and when some of us had cameras and some didn't? You ask someone today if they have a camera, everyone's got a camera. But you used to take the film out once you'd shot, um, taken the pictures, and, the, and that film, because I've been in the printing trade, that's called a negative. Now, a negative is not the real picture. It is part of the picture. What you do is you go in a dark room and you put it onto a piece of paper, developing paper, and you shine light through it, and it exposes and it develops the real picture. When we are negative, we are not looking at the full picture because we don't have light. We have darkness. The spies saw darkness instead of light. They saw only half the picture, and that was their conclusion. We need to see as God sees, and we need to have his light shining on us. Otherwise, our faith will, yeah, yeah, I know what the Bible says, but you know, we live here. No, no, no. We live here, but I know what the Bible says. Are you with me? Now, five things. You notice Caleb silenced the people, or he quieted the people, the Christian Standard Bible says. He actually told them to shut up because it's dangerous to faith to have negative people speaking. And I want you to notice your five things. Quickly write them down. It weakens faith and it infects people when we're negative. It's contagious. The Bible says in Numbers 14, they wailed and cried all night. Negativity breeds negativity. And Caleb said, shush, stop talking like that. It's infectious. Number two, it speaks with false authority. Have you noticed how negative people are so authoritative? Like the global warming people. 
We're all going to die. Are you still driving a six-cylinder? Let me glue my hand to the church door. No, we're not going to die. As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, summer and winter, cold and heat will remain on the earth. Don't speak doom and gloom all the time. Speak faith. Hmm? People talk negatively and they speak with authority. I'm being realistic. No, you're being negative. It has a powerful effect on others. Number three, the third thing, it always exaggerates the problem. Negative people like to exaggerate the problem. Exaggerate the statistics. The world is overpopulated. We're all going to die. No, we're not. Do you know that if every person in, on the planet, listen to this, if every person on the planet right now was given 8,000 square meters of land, which is quite a bit, to plant crops and to live on, each individual, not for each family, just each, we would only take up the country of Brazil. Like we are overpopulated. It's the hottest month it's ever been. We're all going to die. It exaggerate. We saw the giants there. And we even looked like grasshoppers. And I think we looked like that to them. They never had a conversation with them. Negativity exaggerates. Hmm? Number four, it rallies destructive support. Negative people don't just have a negative opinion on their own. They want others to join them, and then they want to change things. I noticed at Rivers, people don't just write us emails and complain. They like to go on social media so that they can rally destructive support. Yeah, I also used to go to that church, and this is what they said, and this is what they did. It's not good enough for them to be negative. They want to take other people with them. And the spies did that. They got people on their side. People rallied to them. They wanted to appoint a leader. They wanted to stone Moses. They wanted to change their minds about everything because negativity does that. Number five, it'll always take us backwards. They went backwards. Let's appoint a leader, they said, and let's go back to where we came from. We'll never go forward if we're negative. That's why Caleb silenced them, because it's dangerous to faith. Listen to me, when negative people are talking all the time, you better be careful because it's, dis, it's damaging to faith. Faith doesn't exist in a vacuum. It exists emotionally too and mentally. And if you get enough of it, it'll change your mind. Number four, after we did number five. <laughs> Do you know where we are? Negati negativity always justifies itself. No one, you know, no, I, I've never heard someone say, yeah, I'm being negative. If you say to someone, you're being negative, no, I'm not. I'm just a realist. I'm telling the truth. It always justifies itself. We need to admit when we're negative. Can you say amen? amen. Number five, negativity, negativity sucks away our energy. You want to be reduced to a depressed, unmotivated, passionless person? Just be negative with negative people it'll dry you up and drain you and you'll feel hopeless Colin Powell who was a a, um, a leader in general in the American forces he said this and it's a pr profound saying perpetual optimism is a force multiplier if you're optimistic you'll feel like you've got much more than you have if you're negative you'll feel like you've got much less than you have it's a force multiplier number six you still with me? Negativity will choose your friendships. Birds of a feather, you all know it, each after their kind. See, an interesting thing is negative people 
always get upset at positive people. Isn't that true? But yes, that's true. Positive people get upset at negative people. If that's the case, negative and positive people are generally not attracted to each other. So if you always have negative people around you, you've got to ask yourself a question. Just a thought. If people are always coming to you and feeling comfortable to tell you negative stuff, ask yourself why. I'm a counselor. They always seek my advice. I think not. I think they know they'll gain an ally in the negativity. And it's negative people. Negativity will choose your friendship. It's amazing how people find each other in church. And then they say to me, everyone is saying, Pastor Andre, that you shouldn't lock the gates and tell us where to sit. And on and on it goes. Yet we have complete safety and divine order in Jesus' name. Just thought I'd mention it. Moving right along. Number seven, this is the most important. Negativity breaks down lives. It's not just an opinion in a vacuum, it breaks down lives. And we have more negativity than we've ever had online in the history of our world. People feel they can vent and give an opinion on, on, on your, you, you post something about your family or your clothing or something and they feel free to come on there. It's like they come into your house and they actually insult you. That's the world we live in. And I was reading about this YouTuber, his name is High and Tree. He uh, did a negative review video of a all-you-can-eat soy sauce, crab-infused place that make uh, 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 food and uh, in, in, in China, and he said, after eating his own food, he noticed some rice in a plate, and he said, oh, they reuse the rice that you don't eat. Well, you can imagine, he had 700,000 YouTube subscribers. They looked at it. A million people eventually read his review. That restaurant got such malicious comments from people and threats, they eventually had to close down. They then showed the CCTV footage to him showing that they throw it all in the bin and they don't reuse it. And then he realized, oh, it was me. I actually got it wrong. He says this, I went to apologize to the owner of the restaurant for creating the video without thinking of my impact. But it's too late. Cancel culture works like that. People latch onto negativity. They're quick to be negative, And it's too late. It wrecks lives. How are they going to get that restaurant ever going again? Because here's the thing. Some stuff that's on Google or YouTube is permanent. And we just think we can just vent. I want to tell you, don't just give your opinion. Don't be negative. But it's the truth. Does it have to be said? Ask yourself, does this really have to be said? <laughs> let, me, let me just say this to you, and I, I don't want to bring attention to me like I'm this expert or, you know. I read all sorts of stuff online. I read Instagram on a daily basis, posts by friends, people I don't agree with. And I'm a person who reads and I know the word, but I don't feel the need to give my opinion all the time. Why should you? Just saying, yeah. And people said to Pastor Bill the other day, you haven't posted about your trip with good reason. <laughs> I don't want to show you what I've been doing and hear your comments. The thing that irks me is when you listen to a radio program in your car. No, 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 no. Phone in and give us your opinion. <laughs> Especially when it comes to politics. Uh, 
I don't know who said it, but someone said uh, one, of the, one of the reasons to not believe in democracy is just to go talk to one individual on the street and ask them their opinion. After that, you'll be like, no, they can't vote. <laughs> and what they're talking about. Because we do not want, opinion breaks lives. And we've got to be careful of it. We've got to speak God's word, God's opinion, God's truth, and we will build people up. Let me read you this rhyme here, and uh, it's an unknown rhyme, and it's about the time before explosives were used to break buildings down. Remember they, they, they used to have people banging with hammers, and they have that swinging ball, now do they just blow a building up? But um, this man walked past, and he says, I watched them tearing a building down, a gang of men in a busy town. With a ho-heave-ho and a lusty yell, they swung a beam, and a side wall fell. I asked the foreman, are these men skilled? as the men you'd hire if you had to build. He gave a laugh and said, no indeed, just common labor is all I need. I can easily reckon a day or two what builders have taken a year to do. I thought to myself as I went my way, which of these roles have I tried to play? Am I a builder who works with care, measuring the life by the rule in the square? Am I shaping my deeds to a well-laid plan, patiently doing the best I can, or am I a wrecker who walks the town content with the labor of tearing down? Good question. Negativity wrecks lives. Let me give you six ways we can overcome it in the time that we have left. Number one, negativity must be ignored. When God has given you his word, when he's given you a word, when he's given you stirred something in your heart, the worst thing you can do is listen to negativity. You want to start a business? Don't ask someone who went bankrupt. <laughs> someone went bankrupt, lost their house, lost their car. Do you think I should start a business? No, it's like asking someone who's been divorced five times. Do you think I should get married? <laughs> Sorry if you've been married and divorced five times. May the Lord give you success this time. <laughs> but why is it we ask people who are failures? And here's the thing, we ask people who are teachers, but sometimes they've never lived life. The biggest problem with our educational system across the world is we've got teachers in teaching positions who've never lived life. They've learned stuff out of a book, now they want to teach you. The best person to teach you business success is someone who's been there and done it. Many people in our church, incredibly successful businesses, go and ask them. Don't pay for a course, thousands of rand, and then there's a professor who tells you this and that and then promotes socialism. Talk to someone who's done it, been there, done that, and made it. Now, the Bible teaches us this because King Saul was an expert. He was a king, but he was in defeat. Why? Because he was negative. The Bible says David arrives at the battlefront, and here's this giant, and here's this expert. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. He's positive. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. You know what David said? I will, and God will. And he went out, and he defeated the giant. Don't let people talk negativity into you. Ignore them, or you'll never achieve anything. And with all respect to people who teach or lecture in our church, I'm not trying to demean you in any way. We've got to be careful of people who are experts in knowing and experts in doing. People have told me over the years, you'll never build a church in Santon. The people there are too rich and too uppity. They'll never listen to you. You'll never be able to buy property. Look where we are today. 
didn't listen. We just stayed positive, stayed full of faith. You've got to ignore negativity. Prove it by what you achieve. You know, years ago when the Panama Canal was being built and it was several times they failed, several nations tried and, and they failed and finally the Americans came along and they appointed a man by the name of Colonel William Gorgas to, to start the construction. Uh, the American population was quite negative. They thought the, the American government was wasting money and they would also get it wrong. And so a journalist from the New York Times came to speak to him and they said to him, you know, you've got a lot of critics at home and uh, have you got an answer for them? And he said, nothing. And then the reporter waited and then he said, sir, are you, are, are you, are you not going to answer your critics? And, and he said, I will. And the guy waited and then eventually he walked away. Well, he did answer his critics by building the canal. And uh, in 1914... August the 15th, the Panama, Panama Canal was successful and opened for traffic and shortened the, di the distance by 15,000 kilometers. You know how you've got to answer your critics? By ignoring them and proving to them that God is on your side. <laughs> Number two, look for the positives. Look for the positives. The 10 spies could not see anything positive, but the two guys saw the positives. What do you see? Because what you see is what you will speak about. Alice Morse Earl was an American historian, and she said, every day may not be good, but there's something good in every day. Look for the good things, look for the God things, look for the positives, look for what God is doing, look for the business opportunities, even if there's a downturn and an increase in interest rates, even if house prices have stagnated, keep looking and speaking positives. We've got to work with what we've got. Itzhak Perlman is a violinist. He's 77 years old. He grew up with polio, and so he has braces on his legs, walks with, uh, with sticks onto, onto the stage and sits down and plays. And one night he was doing a concert in uh, New York, and as he sat down and began to play, the people were enthralled because he's an amazing violinist. As he's playing, the first string breaks. Like a gunshot goes off. Everyone's like shocked because it's such a loud sound when a violin string breaks, but he just carries on playing. Doesn't, he, doesn't even miss a beat on the other three strings. He carries on playing this complicated symphony and everyone starts applauding, you know, after because they think he's going to fall apart. Well, the second string snapped a little bit later. Bah! Only two strings left. He carries on playing the symphony on two strings. Now, those who play violin, it's incredible to do that. <laughs> About 10 minutes later, another string breaks. So they expect him to stop, sorry, 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 good night. No, no, just wait a bit. He's Jewish. Wait a bit. Tunes the string of it, and then he plays the entire symphony on one string. The people went crazy. Clapped, cheered, stood on their feet. And he said this when interviewed about it. He said, you know, sometimes it is the artist's task to find out how much music you can still make with what you have left. How much music can South Africa still make with what we've got left? Or are you looking at what we haven't got? No, look for the positives. Ignore the negatives. Let's believe God we can make music. Number three, discipline your mind. Discipline your mind. It's a daily discipline to control our minds, to train our minds to see the good. Philippians 4 and verse 8 in the Living Bible, which is a paraphrase, it says, fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and dwell on, that's really think on, the fine good things in others. Think about all you can praise God for and be glad about. So you think about good in general, 
Then you think about the good things that you can see in your country. Then you think about the good things you can see in people. And then you think about all the good things that God has as his characteristics. Man, you can't be negative. But we start off with the news in the morning. I don't know if you get it with all respect to it. It's a respectable news channel. But News 24 likes to get in before you even have time to breathe in the morning. And so when you pick up your phone, there it is. What I've done is goodbye. Goodbye. When I see that dot, swipe to the left. Swipe to the left. I don't want to read about that stuff first thing in the morning. I need my mind to be filled with what is good. Go to the window, look out, and see the sunshine. See the plants. Experience the goodness. Thank God for where I live. Thank God for my country. You've got to look after your mind. Benjamin Disraeli was the two-time president of the UK. He said, nurture your mind with great thoughts, for you will never go higher, any higher than you think. The Bible tells us, Paul writing to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, casting down imaginations. Don't let it build a picture up there in your head. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We've got to rule and discipline our minds and our choices. Can I encourage you, maybe I should ask you this morning, how many of you subscribe to Netflix? Don't be embarrassed. <laughs> I know in church like 20 years ago, who's got Mnet? <laughs> you heathen, you. Do you remember when Mnet was a channel that you had to pay for and all the others were free? Sorry, forgive me, I just got distracted there. But if you're watching Netflix, I want to tell you something. They are designing those movies like a cake. Like a cake's got flour and milk and eggs and sugar and baking soda and all that stuff in it. Those movies are designed with certain ingredients to shift your thinking in a certain direction, to make you sympathize with criminals and evil people, to make you understand how you could also possibly do that, to paint police in a negative light that they're never good and their families are all dysfunctional. If you watch the police movies, Every police person's divorced and dysfunctional and has a drink on the side and is all doddery. <laughs> and then all the sexual behavior that's brought in, people go on a date, tear their clothes off. And it used to be people of the opposite sex. Now it's graphic, same sex. It's all trying to shift your mind down a certain road. You need to stand guard and say, no, this is not something I'm gonna laugh at or entertain. I'm gonna rule my mind. Because it's negativity. The world sucks. It's a mess. Everything's broken. No, no, no. Don't bring that in my house. Keep it outside. I'm going to discipline my mind. Number four, avoid negative people. Avoid negative people. You say, oh, that's harsh. I'd have to get divorced. <laughs> no, don't get divorced. Just avoid negative people. You say, Pastor, I don't know if you've been, yeah, let me, let me quote Gandhi because he put it nicely. He said, I will not in, let anyone walk through my mind with their dirty feet. We need to guard our hearts, guard our minds. We need to avoid negative people. Proverbs 22, the principle here comes through. Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people or you will learn to be like them. And what's the result? You'll endanger your soul. Avoid negative people, because you know what will happen? When you get around negative people, there's an urge to join them in negativity. How many of you, when someone's negative, you, you, it's awkward when you keep quiet. Oh, this country sucks, eh? 
just this week, da da da. And you just stand there with your cool drink on the lawn while they're brying. They'll be like, what's wrong with you? Did you hear me? <laughs> You've got to resist the urge. You've got to avoid negative people. Terry Orlick wrote a book. He's a sports psychologist. Wrote a book called Pursuit of Excellence. He says, if part of the negativity stems from your attitude or your perspective, commit yourself at the beginning of each day and each activity to find something positive in yourself and in others around you. I've just said that. If the people around you are negative and you can't change that, either remove yourself from the situation or view it simply as one obstacle you face in pursuing your own potential. You've got to be like mindful of it. Stay focused on your own goals and make the best of the situation. You can't escape from your job. Oh, my job, everyone's negative. No, you need just, as you go to work, you need to be armed. You need to be ready. On the inside, on the outside, you're like, hi, morning, how are you? On the inside, you're like, oh! You walk into the office, there's someone, they're being negative. Ha! Hey, ha, ha! Because if you're not, you just open, it just, by the time you go home, hi, babe, how was work? Ah, na, na, na. And South Africa, and the guy there at the tea place told me this, and eh, go to bed. No, don't want to be there. Don't want to have unhappy attitudes. Number five, become an encourager. Are you all with me? It says on the screen, altar call time. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> we stick to the time because time is important. We respect your time. Become an encourager. Hebrews 3 and verse 13, but encourage one another daily. Why? As long as it is called today so that you, none of you became, may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. See, negativity makes you hard, makes you brazen, makes you discouraged. It doesn't the way it is, and it's always like that. And no. Proverbs 10 verse 11, this tells us how we should be. The words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. The words of the godly are like sterling silver. The words of the godly encourage many. You want to be like that? I want to be like that. I want to encourage you, lift your spirit, and if like Churchill, I sometimes have to paint reality, I want to always leave you with hope and faith and victory and a sense of their possibilities and make you just aware that we understand the reality we're living in, but we're trusting God. And number six years, we move to a close. Recognize the power of just being positive. You know, we, sometimes you can think that positivity is like new age. Well, that without faith is new age, but as a Christian... Just being positive is good. And there's power in staying positive. Zig Ziglar, the late Zig Ziglar, said this. He said, positive thinking will let you do everything better than negative thinking will. So it's like a force multiplier. In fact, you cannot have a positive, exciting life and a negative mind. You need to just be positive. And we need to avoid negative people we need to train our minds, we need to encourage each other, and we need to believe for the possibilities because we're only looking at half the picture. God's got a great future for us, and we need to be builders together. I want to encourage you, if you've got a bad attitude about South Africa, change it. Someone once said this, they said a bad attitude is like a flat tire. You can't go anywhere until you change it. Isn't that true? We'll never go forward, and we need to change our attitude. If you become negative about life, let me say this before I pray, it's natural. It happens to godly people. It happens to worship leaders. It happens to pastors. It happens to godly people. We read in Psalm 73 of Asaph. 
He was, he was a worship leader, a director of music, and he became negative. You know why? He looked at all the negativity around him, and he began to confess it. They'll see the wicked, and they get away with murder, and their bodies, and they're all tanned, and they're like in Santa, and they drive these convertibles. Lord, what's going on? And then the Bible says he went to church, and he sat in the presence of the Lord. And then he says this. He says, then I realized that my heart was bitter, and I was all torn up inside. I was negative. And then he says, yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. He had lost sight of God's work in his life and that God was with him because he kept looking at the negative. But when he went to church, he became positive, then he changed his attitude, and then he starts to walk with God again. We all need to do that today. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 